want to continue our look at Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to begin this morning in verse 14, if you have your Bible. I encourage you to follow along as we read from God's Word, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is God's Word. The uh, Apostle Paul has spent a lot of time in these three chapters uh, telling the church at Ephesus, a group of Gentiles, who they are. He doesn't tell them anything to do. The only imperative that we find, the only command that we find in these three chapters is in the verses before where he tells them to remember something about who they are. But he has not yet given them any instructions on what they are to do, how they're to act, but who they are. And very clearly, folks, the grammar of the gospel, if you're going to understand the gospel, the grammar is that the indicative mood, what is known as the indicative mood, or who you are, your who-ness, your identity, must precede what you do. It must inform and direct what you do. In other words, you're living your life, your activities out of an identity that is deeply rooted and deeply grounded in your spiritual DNA. And if you get those backwards, if you try to be what you do, you're just joining the rest of the world in a futile exercise of religion. Every religion on the face of God's earth that practices uh, 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 doing before being, in other words, you do something in order to be something, is nothing but uh, Pharisaism. It is legalism. It is moralism. It's all the things that the gospel is not against, but the it's the anti-gospel. And so we have got, if we're going to be faithful to God's Word and faithful to the teachings of Scripture, we must know that we are people that have been transformed, reborn, if you will, by the power of Holy Spirit, and that out of that new man, that new creation, that regenerated human being, we live our lives. And it includes doing righteousness and good deeds and following God's law, His commandments, His Ten Commandments. It also includes being deeply humble and deeply repentant, being very soft when it comes to our sin, ready for God to correct us and to cross our will whenever He so chooses. 
and in any area of our lives. So many of us want to hang on to certain things. And Paul is telling you, you can't. You belong to Him now. You are in Him. And your life is hidden with Him. Your identity has changed. You are new creatures in Christ. And therefore, everything that you do must conform to His will and His ways. It's really quite remarkable and wonderful. And so this morning, we're going to look at three things. Paul starts out his letter and he comes to that wonderful prayer we looked at, the Apostles' Prayer, and we went through it for several weeks. This morning, he finishes the first half of his book with another prayer. It's really quite amazing. We think Paul just sat down and scribbled out a letter. This man thought deeply about what he was going to write, and he crafted it in such a way that it has form and structure, and the form and structure communicate as well as the words themselves. And so he finishes this third chapter with a prayer that is remarkable. And he takes that prayer and he prays it for them for this reason. Because for chapters 4, 5, and 6, he is now going to roll out one imperative after another. He is going to command the church to act based on who they are. And some of it is uncomfortable. Some of it has to do with marriage. Some of it has to do with raising children. Some of it has to do with getting along with people you really can't stand and yet you're commanded to love them. And so he's going to roll these things out and he's going to just come boom, boom, boom like this, talking about spiritual warfare, talking about all these things that you must now do. And he wants you to be rooted deeply in who you are. And he prays this prayer and it's really quite amazing. He brings us, if you will, to the threshold of a river. And to find the promised land, you're going to have to cross that river. And so scholars have said it's almost like a This prayer is like a staircase uh, so that you can cross that threshold. Or it's like coming to a river and there's stones and you're you're going to say that over there is worth taking this risk and crossing over. And he lays these stones across for us to move. And he says this, look very quickly again, verse 14. For this reason, for this reason, he's kind of capturing everything that he's been talking about before and, and actually the prayer that he's going to now pray. He says, for this reason, because you have standing in Christ, because you're equal with the Jews in all things, because what I'm about to ask for you, I bow my knee to the Father. Now, some of you know that in Judaism, they did not bow. They bowed on certain occasions, but rarely. In Judaism, they prayed like this, looking up to heaven with eyes wide open and hands outstretched. But we're Presbyterians, and our bones start to crack and break when we do this. But I would love to see our church have the courage don't let the, whatever you think of Pentecostal or charismatic uh, churches, don't let uh, your, your, your uh, maybe your bias towards those things rob you of something beautiful and glorious. Be free in lifting and expressing yourself with your hands raised in worship and at home. Some mornings when I'm praying, I have to force myself, but I lift my hands to God and it's uncomfortable and I'm self-conscious, but I'll do it because I want to praise and worship. I want to acknowledge that He's up and I'm down. 
So I express myself in that way. Well, that's how they did it. But Paul is saying, here is an occasion where we go down on our knees and worship God from that posture of deep, profound humility. I bow my knee from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. He's gathering up. He's not talking about universal fatherhood of God to all humans. He's saying, everyone that has been named by my name, I'm gathering them in. That according to the glory of His riches, He may grant you. Here it is. Now He's going to pray for three things. That He may grant you these three things. These are, if you will, the stones in the river that you're going to cross. The staircase you're going to make your way on. These are what He's praying for you and for me and for that church at Ephesus. So that we can enter into this new life A new life, folks, with hope and joy and love and peace. And he's laying it out, and here's what he prays. Three things. This will be our outline. Where is your power? He's going to pray for that you be strengthened with power. He's going to pray that you know God's love, and he's going to pray that you are filled with the fullness of, of God. You must have these three things in order to cross into the promised land, the kingdom of God. So let's look at them very quickly. The first one is um, uh, for power. And so where, the question I'm going to ask you, and I hope that you'll reflect as we talk about this, where is your power? Where is your real power? You know, God does work through our natural giftedness. You know, some people are good at certain things and others are not good at them. And some people are good at music uh, as Paulette and the other musicians. Uh, they have gifts and talents and God will use those gifts and talents, those natural abilities. But there are times when He goes outside of that and He finds things where you're not strong and where you're actually weak. And so what He's telling us, folks, is that Paul's saying... I want you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit where in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He's saying that while all of those things are fine and good, to have natural ability, to have strength, to have power, maybe to have a certain amount of of political or social influence. Perhaps you have money. Maybe you're just uh, good at a particular thing and people must come. Maybe you're a doctor and, and you have specialists. People have to come to you to get that thing taken care of in their life. That's all good, all wonderful. But what he's saying is for you to cross into the promised land, you must be strengthened. In your inner man, down in the deepest part of you, your roots have to be down somewhere else. Because why? Because if you don't, you'll end up trusting in your natural abilities. And you'll end up trusting in things like money, or your good looks, or your intelligence, or your Master of Divinity degree. (laughs) All right. I mean, we'll begin trusting in stuff like that. We'll begin trusting in who we know and how much we know and how smart and how nice we are. And it becomes ridiculous and we start to lose sight that our inner man, the who-ness of who we are, must be changed and must be oriented towards Jesus Christ 
and His Spirit, that the Spirit of God is indeed dwelling in you. And this is why over and over again, I play this game with you folks. I say, are you sinners? Are you sinners? No, you're not sinners. You're new creations in Christ. Now, do you sin? Everybody say yes. Yes, you sin. And by virtue of that, you do and are a sinner. But your identity is not sin. Your identity is new creation. Your heart. How many of you believe that you're a Christian? How many? Raise your hand. Do you know that you no longer have a heart of stone? You have a heart of flesh. Do you know that you no longer have a heart that is wicked and bent towards evil? How many of you believe that? Well, good. You do not have that heart. Right? Is that what you're saying? I want to make sure everybody understands. You do not have a heart bent towards evil. Now you can say, well, you know, I do. I, I, I still like to sin. Well, join the club. We've been habitually sinning all our lives, yes? So we're going to habitually have a self, an old man, that's going to be attracted to that. But you have power now. You have a newness of life. And if you don't resort to that to help you and strengthen you, you're going to miss what He wants for you here to be strengthened in the inner man so that you can actually live out your life. And that life's going to include radical obedience. Sometimes you're going to be doing great, obeying God's law and all that great stuff. Wonderful and goody for you. And there's going to be other times when you're just bombed it and you have sinned and you've sinned blatantly and you've done something terrible. What does He want you to do then? What, class? Repent and believe the Gospel. Now, is is obedience plan A and repentance plan B? Don't you dare say yes. No, obedience is plan A and repentance is plan A. Why? Why do we say that? Because He made provision for both. He gave you a law that is more valuable than precious than silver and gold, but He also gave you a Savior to whom you can resort when you fail. Not if you fail, but when you do. So shall we sin that grace may abound? The Apostle Paul asked. God forbid, of course we don't want to presume on God's grace. But we do want to remember... We're flesh, we're just dust, and we are going to fail. And sometimes our failures are not the the heinous sins that we think about. Sin and and, and lying and cheating and stealing and this and that and all the bad ones. No, it can be self-righteousness. It can be your goodness. John Gerstner used to say, beware. He used to tell the church, he would stand up in the pulpit and say, beware, repent of your damnable good deeds. Because we want to roll out our goodness at some point before God and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And God says to us, I don't need to look at you. I've already seen the best. And if you're willing to stand behind Him, if you're willing to trust Him, if you're willing to go down and live your life in Him, then I'll look at you. Through Him. Now, who wouldn't want that? I don't ever want God to look at me again the way I am, really. I want Him to look at me like I am really in Jesus Christ. Amen.
Isn't that what you want? This is what he's praying for. Let me give you some scriptures very quickly. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. He's saying be strong in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. This is in Ephesians chapter 6. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Philippians 4. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Colossians chapter 1. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will what? Trust in the name of the Lord our God. And then to Zerubbabel, when the temple had been destroyed and the people carried away into exile for 70 years and they came back to a city in rubble with no temple and no walls around their city, a city in ruins, their race, their nation destroyed. They had no king, no priest. The priesthood was a mess. Everything was a wreck. There was no way to rebuild it. And he comes and he tells Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, he says this, not by might, nor by power. Will you rebuild this nation? Will you restore this temple? Will you bring back the glory of God? Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. He's telling us, folks, that we, each of us, if we're going to live any kind of a joyous, happy, normal Christian life, must find the center of of our being in Him and through Him. Can you say that? Can you say, where is my power? What am I trusting that maybe I shouldn't completely trust? It's okay to rely on your gifts. I do it every Sunday. But I know where my power is and I hope you do too as well. Where is your power? Then the second one, how do you love? He's saying, I pray that you be strengthened with with rooted and grounded in love that you may be you may have strength to comprehend look at what he says what is the breadth the length the height the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge he's praying that you will ask yourself the question where and how do i love how do i love we're to be known by our love and yet christianity one of the and and rightly so that we are hypocritical when it comes to love. And why? Because I'll tell you why. It's very simple, folks. If you just think about it for half a second. We love those that love us back. Yes? We love those who we deem worthy to be loved. We love those that don't tick us off. That don't make us mad that don't bother us, that don't hurt us, that don't accuse us, that don't damage our reputation. We love people that have influence. We love people that can do us good. Do you know then in our church, Christ the King, talking about our church, Christ the King, we have three elders. Uh, David Fickett, who prayed earlier, Gary Anaya, who's absent today, and uh, Hugo Porras, who's back there. He sings in our, our group. We have three elders Plus me, I'm an elder in this church. And do you know that none of us knows how much you gave to the building fund? We don't know how much. We don't want to know how much. 
Because if we know, we will treat those who gave more, how? We'll treat you better. And we should. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because Jesus watched a widow put two mites. This was a a portion of a penny. All right, get the picture. Her last two, put them in the the treasury. They had these these brass things that looked like uh, trumpets and they would throw the money in. And they, they designed them. Isn't it interesting? They designed them like that so that when they threw the coins in, they would do what? Make a lot of racket. Because, boy, look, oh, look at this man. He would make all this noise as all those coins go down into the, into the vault. And this little woman, she comes up and she throws in these two mites. Probably didn't even make a tinkle. But somebody saw it. Somebody saw what she did. Somebody heard that tiny sound. Jesus said he, she gave more than all the rest. And I'll tell you why she gave more than all the rest. Because it was her bios, it was her life that she gave. God is impressed with the amount of money that we give or don't give. That isn't even in the picture. He wants your heart, not your money. Yes? He wants you. And that's always been the case. He wants you. How do you love? We, we, we don't even think about that. We regard people in ways that God doesn't even understand, if you want to put it in a ridiculous way. He doesn't even understand why we wouldn't love the unlovely. He doesn't understand why we wouldn't love those that despitefully use us and are mean to us. He doesn't understand that. God, who understands everything, cannot comprehend how human beings can treat each other the way they do. Why? Why Why do we know that is true? Because He loves you. What did He have to put up with? And what does He continually put up with in us? Every day of our life. And if you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, well, you know, Chuck, I, I'm really not that bad. I'm actually a pretty good person. We, you need to come see me. I can ask you about three or four questions and have you weeping over your sin. There's no way that you can stand or I can stand before God with any claim that you should love me, Lord Jesus, because of dot, dot, dot. Why? When I was dead in my trespass, the Apostle Paul said, when I'm dead in my trespasses, and He gave Himself for us, when I had nothing to commend me, He commended His love toward me in this. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me on my worst day. Folks, never forget it. On your worst day, He loved you as deeply as He'll ever love you. He'll never love you more, and He'll never love you less than He did that first day. What a God we serve. And because of it, he's saying, I'm pray- Paul is saying, I'm praying that you'll understand this love because if you do, if you comprehend what I'm saying to you about love, there won't be anybody in your life that you won't be able to love. 
doesn't mean you let them walk over you. It doesn't mean that you let them abuse you or beat you. If you're a woman and you have an abusive husband, you don't have to put up with that. If you, there's all kinds of, of, of nuances to this. But he's saying that somewhere down inside each of us, there is a wellspring of love that we can drill down into and find ways to love the unlovely because we know He loved us and we were unlovely. To be a Christian at the very, ba- the very bottom of it, the very most basic fundamental aspect of being a Christian is knowing that you are poor in spirit, that you have nothing to commend you to God. Yes, nothing. And that you come naked and empty so that He can love you and fill you. And He says this, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, love one another just as I've loved you. Love one another. By this all men will know that you're My disciples. And so for thousand, two thousand years, folks, the church has made a mess of this. Sometimes not. There are many people that have loved in this way. But there are many of us that need to understand the height and depth and width and breadth of this love and to then practice it. You know, I'm going to say something. I hope you all understand. Listen carefully. Many of you have heard that love is not an emotion. Love is what? What? It's a choice. You choose to love. And that's true. I'm not going to say that's not true. But that's not all it is. Because you can choose to love liver and onions all your life and you will never love liver. Well, maybe some of you will. All right, you can choose to love uh, and, and you may never, that may never change for you. So love, to say simply love is just a choice, it's just an action, it's just something you've got to do, is to rob it of what it really is. Love is way more than just a choice. Love is also a feeling. You know, when my boys were born, I was there, I watched them, and I didn't make any choices. When I saw those little things, I loved them. Now, it changed as they grew. <laughs> and I had to choose to love them. There were times when I wanted to strangle them. Like Christy Hummel used to say, who ran our youth youth. Uh, uh, Sunday school for some years. Uh, Christy's kids were wonderful kids, but they were kids. And she came one Sunday to church and she told me, I understand now why some species eat their young. <laughs> so yes, you do have to make choices in love, but love is also a feeling. And, there are t- and, you, and you can trust your feelings. Isn't that crazy you're listening to a Presbyterian say that? You can trust your feelings. Why? Because you're born again. You're a new creation. Do you think He just redeemed your mind so that you could ask John Calvin into your heart? No, He redeemed all of you. He redeemed your feelings too. You can trust your feelings. You can trust your mind. You can trust your, your, your intuitions. Sometimes they're not wrong. Sometimes they are. So's your thinking. How many of you have been, you know, been fooled by your thinking? Your mind has played tricks on you. We've all had those. So you're not just one or the other. You're a full-orbed human being, a whole person. 
And he's telling you that the spatial, listen to this, the spatial language of breadth, length, width, and height. You know, normally we think in three dimensions, but Paul gives four. Why? Because because he may be referring to the temple imagery. Think of this, folks, when it comes to love. The temple imagery of 221 where he says, we are living stones linked together by love. In other words, the the bricks or the stones of this living temple are you. And the mortar, uh, the cement that binds us together, that locks us together so that we can create this spatial image of a block, a room, like this room with four dimensions to be a temple filled with and built with love, held together by love. And so don't think that your choices of love don't matter. They do matter, but don't ignore the feelings. We are to be in love and have the love of Christ. He doesn't say love for Christ or any of that. He uses a word, the love of Christ. In other words, he's capturing with that little word of all the dimensions of Christ's love. Christ's love for you, Christ's love for me, our love for one another, our love for the church in general, our love for our world, our love for our government, our love for our president. Our love for our president. And we're still laughing. Let me try one more time. Our love for our president. Is, Amen. You've got to love the man. You don't have to agree with him politically in any way, shape, or form. Our love for our enemies. Our love for our spouse when they disappoint us. Our love for our children when they go off the rails. Our love for our enemies. Think about it, folks. Think. We are to build and become something that is greater than the individual parts, yes? You see, I need, I don't need just the people that are nice to me. I need the people that are not nice to me. Otherwise, I will become a crazy person thinking that I'm really terrific. Right? We need that. We need that constant pressure. We need things that are... We don't need people to be ugly and rude to us. That's not okay. But we do need people of every kind. St. Augustine said this, by loving the unlovable... You have made the unlovable lovable. The typical Augustine. By loving the unlovable, you have made the unlovable lovable. Folks, if there's anybody in your life that, that has hurt you or broken you, and you say, I hate them, you had better rethink it now before we hit chapter 4. Because in chapter 4, he's going to start heaping it on. And I'm appealing to you as He did. Learn who you are. We are people of love. And we have got to embrace with great love. Love is both a choice and a feeling. And finally, what is your life? So we've seen, where's your power? How do you love? How do you love? And where, what fills your life? This is in verse 19. That you may be filled with the fullness 
of God. You know, I have not yet met anyone, including myself, where somewhere down inside of us, there's that feeling of unsatisfied. It's, it's an empty, hollow feeling. It can have to do sometimes with your marriage or maybe with uh, your job or career. It can have to do with your own personal achievements. Maybe you expected to do one thing and things went in a different direction. It can have to do with so many things, but all of us, if we're honest, we can look down and we can find something. Gosh, I wish I had done this different with my kids. I wish I had done this different when I was in high school, like a hundred things. I wish I had, you know, you think of all these things. And we can live in a pool of regret. I've told you before, it's paralyzing. Or you can say, oh, none of that matters. Today's a new day. I'm off on to the new thing. And forget about it. And that's just as bad, just as harmful. And the Apostle Paul is saying, what fills your life? I pray that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. In other words, identify those places of emptiness. Don't deny them and don't get paralyzed by them. Take them, take those areas of pain and hurt and woundedness and go to God in prayer and say, here they are, Father. I don't know what you want to do with them, but I'm not going to deny them and I'm not going to let them control me. But I'm here with them and I want to be full. I want to find my fullness in you. He wants to fill you. Paul is saying, I'm praying that you be filled because God wants you to be filled with the fullness of Him so that as the storms of life crash on the shore of your life, as the circumstances, sometimes they spin out of control and you get the horrible phone call or you get the, the doctor tells you, I'm sorry to tell you this and then out it comes. That against that, you have a fortification, a rock, a refuge, a strong tower. You know, they would build these strong these towers up in the, uh, in the ancient Near East and the soldiers would all be inside. And the, and the armies would come and just assail those towers and they'd shoot them with the, the arrows and throw spears and pour boiling oil and all that fun stuff onto these guys. And they, could not, they couldn't bring them down. And he's saying that I want you to have that. I want you to be filled with that fullness so that nothing can disturb your joy and your peace. Yes, you'll go through lament. Yes, you'll have times when you weep and cry and shake your fist at God and say, why did you do this? Why? I don't understand you. And I'm angry at you. But I know that you're my fullness. You see, you say, but. And you move back to Him. That's a relationship. That's the fullness that Paul is talking about. Listen, folks, listen carefully. Nothing, nothing in creation, nothing in this world, not a relationship, not money, not acclaim, not fame, not power, not, a, not anything, nothing in creation is able to bear the weight of your deepest desires. Nothing in this created world, can bear the weight of your deepest desires. 
We were, listen, we were made for the Garden of Eden. We were made for paradise. So there's an appetite in us for paradise. And paradise, the Garden of Eden, was made for us. And there's an appetite in us for that and that for us. We were made for that. But we were never made for a garden in which the presence of God was not walking with us in the cool of the day. And in Genesis chapter 3, God came into the garden in the cool of the day and could not find you. And He said, where are you? Pleading with a, with a voice of love and desire. Where are you? You were not meant to be in this garden without me. I'm what makes the garden the garden. And you've got to come to that place, folks, in your life where you say nothing. I'm not going to be satisfied by anything but you. And then when you have that, when you have Him, the garden becomes the garden. And you can enjoy and endure and, and be joyous in your life. Fully and completely. Where do you find your fullness? Well, I'm going to tell you, folks, let me close with this. You and I are not going to find our fullness in a garden without God in that garden. And the place where the New Testament is crystal clear that you and I find our full and complete satisfaction is in fact in another garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. When our Savior stepped into that place and asked His followers, pray with me, and they didn't do it. And He went into a pit of horror and death and loneliness and pressure and sorrow to where he said, my soul is so torn. He used the word for being torn apart, torn to shreds. My soul is so broken almost to the point where I feel I may die before I die. It's in that garden that you will find him. That garden that led to a cross. And that's where we find our fullness, folks. And if you'll do that each day of your life, if you'll return back to that great gospel truth that my life is hidden with Christ in God because He went into the garden, because He went into the cross, because He suffered and died for me. If you embrace that, the fullness of what Paul is praying for will fill your life and you will become unassailable. Nothing will break you down. And you will be standing firm. The Son of God, Paul said, loved me and gave Himself for me. I'll boast in that. And that's what our church stands for. That's what we believe. And I hope and pray that each of you will embrace that today and forever. Let's pray.
Father, how very grateful we are for you and what you have done for us. And with the great Apostle Paul, we say this, now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work in us, to you, our great God, be the glory in the church, in Jesus Christ, throughout all the generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.